don't like talking in the third person. So for the benefits of what I'm about to read, imagine my name is Bob. Johnny the Nick of Football 365 writes, Bob's intro veers to the edge of smut and then pulls back before we start. Bob manages to make the job sound like the most fun anyone could have whilst keeping one's clothes on. I'm assuming, perhaps wrongly, that Bob is wearing clothes. It's cold in here, isn't it? Welcome to the Totally Football League show. Thank you, Johnny the Nick at Football 365 for your alarmingly accurate review of every other Totally Football show apart from ours. Joining Bob this week, the Paddy McGuinness to his Freddie Flintoff, full throttle Adrian Clark. Yeah, that's me. You could have handled that, I think, actually. Handled what? Top Gear. Uh, you reckon? Why? Because, mm, you know, average with a car. <laughs> <laughs> and how you doing, our very own Joey? He's leaving Top Gear, Sam Parkin. Well, you're not, because you're not even on it. But you could too. Do you drive a fast car? Uh, yeah, relatively fast. I'm not a massive car fan just for the posturing over anything, above anything. Do you know, and it's not all about me, but I think I can change an engine on a VW Beetle. Oh, no, I'm useless. No, but how impressed are you right now? That's great, yeah. Not, not as impressed as I was yesterday when you texted us to say you were laying a carpet. Oh, I did lay a carpet. Well, I mean, there were carpet treads, so it was sort of semi a carpet, although it is, in theory, a carpet still that I laid. Hmm. It's still there, too, a day after. What about that? And the sat-nav for our EFL navigation from William Hill Joe Crilly. Hello. Have you ever... No, what am I saying? You eat quinoa, you've never laid a carpet. I've never laid a car. I've changed a battery in a car, though. Have you? Yeah. In in the in, in my old Hyundai, not oh. to 60 in 25 seconds. I thought you were just sat there with your torch, <laughs> moving the double A's about. <laughs> yeah, I've changed batteries in a remote control, sat in a car. I mean, I think that's impressive. Uh, talking of impressive, thank you to everyone that's been in touch with the show at The Totally Show. This one from Ed... He writes, FA Cup first round draw. Who from the EFL should be worried about being upset by a non-league side? I know you were all watching the draw for the FA Cup last night as you scrabble through madly. And by the way, if you do love things of a lower league variety, the FA's grassroots football survey closes on the 5th of November. So if you're a player, a coach or a fan, have a look at that. Have a say in football and how it's run. I'm going for Haringey Borough up against AFC Wimbledon, given what Wimbledon going through at the moment, Sam Parkin. That yeah. might be interesting. That'll probably get the nod for TV, won't it? I will go for my local team, Hampton and Richmond Borough, against my former employers, Oldham Athletic. They always used to beat us in the FA Cup, Oldham. And yeah. Hampton always used to beat us in the league, so I'm going for a draw. That will be. I'm hoping that gets moved to the Sunday, so I can maybe take that one in. We might come live from that, except we're a podcast and we record it, so we won't. Mm. Uh, do you want any, Adrian or Joe? Macclesfield have got a toughie, I think. Um, Maidstone United away. Um, they recently sacked my mate, Jay Saunders, so I'm a little bit anti-Maidstone at the moment. But they do they do have an AstroTurf pitch, which is always a big advantage. And as we know, Macclesfield win once every couple of years, don't they? So, well, maybe not now. Um, but that's, that's, that's a really tough draw for them. I love the uh, Football League joke there that he laid down. Uh, carry on, Joe. I'm going to go for Chorley hosting Doncaster. It might seem a bit of a an odd choice, but Chorley have been on fire at home. They've only dropped two points in the National League North at home all season to Chester. And they've only dropped six points, three draws, nine wins this season out of 12 games. Martin Allen writes on the Chesterfield website, My reaction to the draw? I deleted the text as my one and only full concentration and focus is on Saturday's league game against Wrexham and nothing else. That is my reaction to the draw. Who have oh. they got then? <laughs> I don't know, he deleted the text. 
my reaction to anything Martin Allen says is to just, just ignore it. Shall we move on? A full Tuesday, Wednesday mashup in the Football League. So um, we'll ignore all that's gone before and focus on the weekend that was. Although Ian Westbrook has also been in touch to say, can you discuss the unfair midweek championship fixtures caused by streaming and Sky in past all midweek games on a Tuesday, now half on a Wednesday, but then that affects the weekend. My lot, Brentford at Preston this Wednesday, then on Saturday at Norwich, who are at home tonight, giving them a day and a half more to prepare and breathe. Has it made things awkward for the weekend? It's not ideal, is it, for for Brentford, if you look at that in isolation? But I don't know, does it level itself out over the season? You'd like to think it does, because, yeah, a day and a half's extra rest is is probably something that's going to make a little bit of an impact come the weekend so yeah you have to feel sorry for the the Brentford supporters and the, and the players because they're going to be feeling it probably latter stages at the weekend it's just prep time isn't it for the, for the game you just you got you probably won't be able to have a day off maybe they don't anyway but but in terms of the the training it will have to be altered significantly i think it's long enough to recover let's be honest it's it's not two days but but it's a small advantage so not ideal but would we would we as fans fat football fans would we want every game on a tuesday or every game on a wednesday personally i quite like to spread it out spread the love and as you say, it kind of mixes and matches and, and bounces around too. It's the higher up you go, the more this is increasingly going to become a problem. Just look at, I know it's not Premier League and it's not Champions League and it is this level of the game, but the higher up you go, things will change too. I'd have football every night of the week. I wouldn't. Championship then, far too many matches to talk about. A Dean Dong at Villa Park. Well done, producer Abby. As Smith announces himself with a victory, whilst Brentford are left seeing red, there's a new leader once more atop the table as Borough take up the mantle. Who are you and what have you done with the beginning of the season leads, we ask. And champions-elect Stoke keep living up their billing or not. Welcome to game week 14. Aston Villa 1, Swansea nil, Brentford nil, Bristol City 1. Let's mash them together like fish and chips. <laughs> uh, who came out the better is is an obvious one, but did you see some improvements from both teams with new managers? Oh, most definitely from Aston Villa. Just to start though, I don't think we can get too carried away. It sounds strange to say it, but just getting the, the players in the right positions, the two fullbacks, Grealish centrally in behind Tammy Abraham, that will probably be the way to, to go forward. And an outstanding display from my former teammate again, John McGinn, who was everywhere. I mean, the montage was brilliant. I think if he does naturally go higher, which I you know, presume he will, given the quality, he has to take care of the ball a little bit more when you go up to the Premier League because he is guilty at times of giving it away, but he just goes and wins it back. It's like a little Tasmanian devil, wins it back. Very brave getting on the ball. And it was an outstanding display from him. I think they had to ride their luck because they ran out of steam towards the end. High pressing first half, uh, more attacking under Dean Smith, but they got over the line. So that's a big plus for them moving forward, of course. He does look classy, does McGinn. Would a, a Steve Bruce Villa have lost that one or at least just ended up with a draw? <laughs> it could have been a nil-niller, I guess. No, Steve Bruce's Villa scored in every single game. Villa are the only team, aren't they, in the championship that have done that. So, and Swansea can't score. I mean, there's, I think they've had the most blanks. So, so it's probably a predictable scoreline, wasn't it? Really, um, another header from Villa. They scored a lot of headers from crosses this season. So, uh, I echo everything Sam said there. Really, just went back to basics. He got players in the right positions. Twanzebe was the centre half. I noticed, which was something Steve Bruce seemed uh, reluctant to do. So, I think Dean Smith did exactly what. 
95% of Villa fans would have wanted him to do from that game. So uh, onwards and upwards for God, that. It's as simple as that, isn't yeah. it? Just do what the fans are saying. <laughs> There's a big grin on your face, Joe. It has Have things changed in the, the better markets as a result of just the weekend? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there oh. were some, some weird results uh, at the top of the table. And Villa, as a result, have, have come in ever so slightly. They were 5-1. to one. They're now 9-2. T- to two. Brentford have drifted ever so slightly on the back of their result. And and it's all changed again. West Brom, favourites for promotion odds on, with Borough and Sheffield United swapping places in the market as well. You're right about the weird. Six of the top seven sides going into the weekend were beaten, which just shows what the level in the championship and, and how it will change around. What about Thomas Frank then at, at Brentford? Not quite the same winning start. No, I mean, only the players and the people on um, on the training ground know how much disruption there's been. Having seen De- Dean Smith and Richard O'Kelly leave in terms of the training, I'm sure Thomas Frank was involved prior to him getting the, the big gig. But just a little bit of a limp performance. Obviously, the turning point was probably Mopé's chance early on, which he's been sticking away, mm. um, you know, very convincingly so far this season. A very soft sending off, I think it has to be said. Ridiculous sending off. Letter of the law and all that. But, I mean, there's a couple that I want to talk about from the weekend. That one in particular I felt was very soft. Ollie Watkins hits the post. On another day, they could probably get a 1-0 like Aston Villa did. But I think Bristol City with the, the man advantage, very classy goal actually. Jada Silva, another one of these Chelsea loanies. He's taken a bit of time really to get a few plaudits since he's gone there. He's excellent last season on loan at Charlton. Brilliant delivery and a lovely finish from uh, Eliasson on the far post. Nice control in his left foot finish. So, yeah, work for Brentford to do. I worry that this may just see them tail off a a tad. uh, And uh, from going in such a strong position under Dean Smith, you hope it doesn't disrupt them too much. Soft sending off, but you say ridiculous sending off. So it shouldn't have been a sending off. Definitely not. No, I mean, the guy cuts him up and he tries to get out of the way. What The only thing I can think of is that he maybe talked himself into it. He really reacted as if like he was going to get sent off. Maybe it it prompted the ref. I I don't know if we're going to get to this, but in general across the EFL, a lot of dodgy red cards at the weekend. I thought so many, so many dismissals that that didn't look much. So um, and that was one of many. So, no, but a word on Bristol City. They they should have had another goal. It was chalked off wrongly for for offside. Matty Taylor scored that one. So look, Bristol City. It was good for them, and they had their third goalkeeper, uh, Max O'Leary, because my umpire and uh, field him out, and he. He got a clean sheet, so so it was a, it was a great day for them. But yeah, you do feel that Brentford have sort of levelled out a little bit. They need a lift, don't they, under the new manager? Go on, talk to me about officials then, because we've all had those mornings when really we should just not have got out of bed. <laughs> and, and so was it a collective across the EFL? It felt like it. Just felt like referees were were very quick to 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 pull the trigger, so to speak. It's difficult, isn't it, because we don't get the in depth replays that you do at Premier League level. So it's it's hard to 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 see it based on first hand but some of the some of the second yellows for example that I saw across the division were just n- unnecessary and and it, well wind, it used to wind me up as a player I'm sure it did you Sam as well because it hits you in the pocket as well a lot of players in league 1 and league 2 they got mortgages most all, all of them probably and if you get suspended you lose money and it, I just feel that they're brandished a little bit too loosely at times I'm sure they're they're doing it honestly, but but yeah, it was. I think it was a bad weekend for officials. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a few straight reds. I'm sure we'll come on to. I think the Lincoln one, off the top of my head, I thought was really soft. I think if there's intent or someone's being malicious, obviously the the goal scorer stopping the goal scoring opportunity and stuff like that. 
you can understand, you know, saving the ball on the line. But some of these decisions, I think if it's just clumsy, it's not in a an area of the pitch that's going to affect a, a goal scoring opportunity. It's common sense from the referees. I don't want to go down the route of, you know, you have to have played the game or they don't, because that's ridiculous. But I think just common sense at, at times was lacking at the weekend, definitely in, in my eyes. Well, you say you have to play the game. I still don't get why there's not more of a pathway for players to go into becoming an official. And, and I get the higher up you are and maybe you've got a bit more money, why would you want to subject yourself to it? But it's got to be a viable career path, hasn't it, for, yeah, for ex-players? On that, yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> I think they, they see enough to put them off. But, but partly, especially if you're retiring in your 30s, by the time you get the necessary experience to be good enough to referee at, at league level... You're in your 40s and then you sort of, you haven't got long. So I, I remember them saying in um, America, part of the, the deal is you're coming through, I'm not saying that in America, track. you hold, hold everyone up in America mm. and what they're doing with, with football is, is the way. But actually, all of the players take it in turns to officiate as you're going through the youth levels, as yeah. you're going up and, and through. So they, they're getting that experience as they go The through. issue as well that probably isn't spoken about with this argument is that players have histories. And they have histories with teams in the EFL. And can you imagine, you know, you get enough when you get to see the postcode of the referee on the team sheet, oh, you know, the outcry. So you just know that people will dig up past instances where that referee that was a player had had experiences against certain teams. So I just think it's a bit of a bit of a non-starter. Which team could you not officiate? <laughs> Too many. Any, any managed by Steve Evans or Martin Allen. <laughs> Sam? Probably Oxford United, I would imagine, yeah. All right, well, we've just ruled a few out. That's all. It's just a few. Any, any Joe that you don't want to officiate? I would have to say Wrexham as a Chester fan. That's OK. OK, uh, answers on a postcard. Would you like to see more of the above? At the Totally Show, where should we go next? Blackburn 2 leads 1. Can we celebrate Tony Mowbray? Or are we all going to have a little look at what's happening with Leeds? Or did we all just say this was going to happen? I- I'd rather celebrate Tony Mowbray, who they want to tie down to a new deal, don't they, Blackburn Ro- Rovers? I thought it was a really good performance. They've been solid, haven't they? Home and away, particularly away, actually. They've, they've picked up some great results. Not easy. It was 7,500, weren't there? Leeds fans at one end of the pitch. So it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have felt like an intimidating home game. It was just set plays that did it, wasn't it? Two, two, two corners. And it was really interesting, actually, what he said afterwards. He said, in the set plays, this is Tony Mowbray, great credit to David Lowe and Ben Benson, who I delegate set plays to. They recognised that Leeds had two big headers of the ball and we managed to extricate them out of the goal to create a gap for, for our guys to score forward planning and it's really interesting that a manager will delegate set place uh, it's something that wouldn't have happened in my day on that by the way um, my league debut for South End United was up at Tranmere and uh, it was a Friday night in the dressing room the buzzer goes come on boys let's, let's have it All right, everyone very excited and as, a, as a, a set piece taker myself I, I said uh, Ronnie Whelan I said Ronnie who's on corners free kicks oh god <sighs> I forgot uh, uh, you have them you have them like that. Uh, what, what do you normally do? Near post, far post? <sighs> Just swing it in. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I get the feeling that's what happened with Harry Kane? Oh, we've forgotten. So, yeah, forgotten? times might have changed a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm not talking to you about set pieces. But why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you have. Why wouldn't you delegate it to someone that's clearly up for it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got more and more important as the game's evolved, of course. Now, <laughs> can think of a number of stories like that. I mean, I just used to go on the edge of the box and make a little bit of movement in a line with, with two or three of my teammates. There was never any signals, really, 
uh, when I first started playing league football and, and obviously towards the end you were dedicating probably, and that, certainly under Paul Tisdale the last year, an hour on a Thursday and a Friday into what we were going to do from all areas of the pitch. I'm talking from a free kick from fullback area all the way up the pitch in sections where it's going to go and a variety from every different area on the pitch. So it's a how, massive part of the game. How far are we off having proper playbooks oh. for each <laughs> team? And would players take it in? Well, there was a throw. Was there a throwing coach went into yeah, yeah, Liverpool yeah. earlier on this season? Uh, anything to Why get an advantage. Yeah. Look at the way Brentford run their whole their whole club you know with the analysis and, and stuff like that and I, I'm sure a lot of players are brought to these shores now on the basis of their returns from set pieces the assists that they can get from dead balls of course that's the way the game's going it's a, it's a good idea it really is but, but it, the, the one danger you have is boring the players on the training pitch it is, it is quite dull work I remember Alvin Martin did, I did we did an hour and a half on throw-ins once and it just stuck in my mind we just we lost the will to live. It was just it was painful. But but once managers get something in their head, sometimes that they just tr- just go and go and go until you nail it. See, uh, you say about boring players, but they're all not all of them. But a lot of them are sat there with the computer games. We've got stats coming out of your ears because you're making money off it. Joe. I'm just pointing my <laughs> finger at you, Joe. But it's all there, isn't it? That that's how you benefit as a result of it and if they're all there with the computer games anyway doing it for football manager and they're like try and that's how you make it engaging plus it's your job <laughs> let me enjoy it uh, well, we need to rattle through things which is kind of all right because all the games as ian westbrook pointed out earlier are happening on tuesday and wednesday so we, we don't want to do too much from the weekend but i'll let you all pick out one more game that you want to talk about Norwich, I think, deserve uh, deserve a mention. On the theme of set pieces, Tim Closer obviously got, got, got a double there, didn't he? Nottingham thought, Forest I, won Norwich too. I thought it was a brilliant performance. 19 shots to seven, so it wasn't a fluke. Again, the kids did well. Todd Campwell, this kid looks a player. He outshone um, João Carvalho by all accounts. Um, he, just things happen when when he gets on the ball. So I think things are looking brilliant. Uh, Max Aarons at fullbacks apparently had it as a teenager, had his hands full with Joe Lolly, but got through it, got better as the game went along. Something's happening at, at Norwich that that's really positive. I think the fans are, are really on board with Farker now. They, they, they've even called them Farker's fledglings, I noticed, which is a bit annoying. Um, but, but we'll let them Not have their as moment. as annoying as Fark life, which, which <laughs> yeah. was annoying me right at the start of his reign. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on board with Norwich, definitely. I think we've been consistent in that. We can yeah. carry that one forward. Um, Derby, Sheffield United, I think obviously a glorious goal early on. Well, 19 seconds, wasn't it, from, yeah. from Bryson? I was disappointed the goalkeeper didn't dive because it was a brilliant finish. And I think goals always look better when there's a, a desperate lunge from the goalkeeper. But from a desperate start, Sheffield United actually controlled that for, for long spells. Brilliant equaliser, Fleck marauding into the, the area, quick feet and squaring it for, for Basham. But I think the, the big moment of the game was actually Bryson going off and Frank Lampard didn't change him like for like. He had Bradley Johnson on the bench. He went for Tom Lawrence, brought Mount inside to play alongside Wilson, very attacking, Mm. and uh, completely changed the dynamic of the game. So much pace, uh, the the, the youthfulness of those players, and a brilliant goal. Probably my favourite goal of the weekend from Marriott, who I'll go out and say now he's found his feet, and looking at his finishing last year and his numbers, I think he'll get 15, 20 goals now after a slow start where he actually wasn't in the team. Quite brilliant goal, Forsyth's delivery, and... Opening up your your foot and just helping it on its way, it was a 
an expert finish from a player who I think um, he's going to make the, the step up to the championship no problem are you, are you throwing Marriott in um, because someone tweeted you didn't they saying who could make it in, in the Premier League yeah I totally show for your thoughts maybe after a year or yeah 18 months in the championship he could be one I, I'd was probably, it a Palace fan yeah I'd probably say to take Dwight Gale back I would say to him <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we racked our brains I can't come up with anyone so shall we go with Marriott after a yeah, let's see how he does for a year and then maybe he'd be one that could make the step up. But yeah, there's not that many. Obviously, Mope in terms of numbers, yeah. but he could probably do with another year at the second tier as well. And and you just wonder how this next period's going to deal for Mope as well. Derby 2, Sheffield United 1. Uh, Scott Carson on Twitter. I owe my mate Mason Mount a drink when he's old enough for getting me out of the S asterisk asterisk T. We shall head History-wise next, because the history section is back or the Totally Book Club expands once more. Either way, uh, we're going to bring Michael Barrett to the show to talk all things press and North End and the rise of the Invincibles. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Well, the aforementioned Michael joins us now. Uh, Michael, congratulations on the book. It's one of those you want to sniff before you have a look at because it's just so beautiful. Tell us the idea behind it. I was born in Deepdale just minutes from North End's ground, so I might be a little bit biased. But <laughs> for me, the story of North End and the Invincibles is one of the most important in football history. And I, I first had the idea, it was way back in 2009 I was living in Ireland at the time and I was I was at work one day I remember it really well because it was during the time of the big freeze and there was a blizzard raging outside and uh, I had the radio on and there was a man being interviewed about a graphic novel he'd produced about an important event in Irish history and as the interview went on I began to realize what a great format the graphic novel or the comic book is for telling an historical tale and I started to think of the comics I'd read as a child, like the Beano and then Roy the Rovers. And then I suddenly thought of the Invincibles and put the two together and that was it. The the idea was born. Well, you and David, he of Roy of the Rovers too, and you can you can tell the influence there. So it charts the story of the Invincibles. Just just briefly, for those that don't know, why was that such a special team? I mean the clues in the title, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it 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 was it was for me, um, I wanted to do the story about the Invincibles because all North Enders know the Invincibles were the first ever Football League and FA Cup winners. The first team to do the double and uh, they won the league in the inaugural season, 1888-89. to 89. That season, they played 22 games in the league, won 18, drawn four. In the FA Cup, they played five games, scored 11 goals and didn't concede a single goal throughout the tournament. And it, looking back at that record, it's it's... 130 years now since that and since then not one club has managed to match that feat so it's you know it really is a a fantastic achievement but the reason for me doing the book I knew that this great Invincibles team hadn't just happened overnight and I wanted to get you know behind the, the the old black and white image that we have of them and see how the team actually came together and when I did my research I realized that they had so much more of an impact on the game than just being the first ever double winners. I love on the website you say, I was sure I'd have it written in under six months. I didn't have a clue. Uh, So the research (laughs) was only part of it. Uh, Adrian, 
Yeah, I was, I was just going to sort of ask about Preston in general, the, the modern day Preston. It's a great book, by the way. I, I love the format. I think it looks brilliant and it, it looks readable. So there are certain books that, that are a little bit intimidating, a lot, a lot of words, and I don't always have the time to read them. But, but this, 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 I think, will inform and educate anyone that reads it, but in a, in a really entertaining way. So, so congratulations on that. On Preston, you obviously are now famous, really, for, for being one of the biggest clubs not to get out of the EFL and into the Premier League. Um, can you see that happening in the next decade or so, or even sooner? And what's it going to take to, to get North End into the, into the Premier League? Um, it, it'll happen this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, maybe not. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a tricky one. And it's, it's tough for us North Enders because... You know, out of all the, the local sort of clubs around us, they've all spent time in, in the Premiership, uh, you know, looking at Blackpool, Blackburn Rovers, Bolton, Wigan, you know, so it's, you know, we look across at them with a bit of envy. But, I, you know, we're getting there. We, we don't have the massive fan base that many clubs do. We don't have uh, millions in the bank. Um, you know, but we are, you know, it does appear that there is a plan in place and we're gradually improving. Michael, there's obviously the opportunity for younger fans to read about the history in your book. Uh, during your years of supporting the club, what's some of the, the, the best teams that you've seen or some of your favourite players from your era of going to Deepdale? Well, I, I started off going to Deepdale. I was actually a ball boy. They had some, some outstanding players when I was a ball boy. The likes of uh, Steve Elliott and Alex Bruce were, were banging the goals in back then. Um Years later from that, you know, Brian Mooney was a, a favourite of mine. And then we had the the great team under Paul McGrath with John Thomas playing, scoring plenty of goals. That was the season they got promoted. There's been a good a good few standout players for me over the years. One of those crowd pleasers. I'm delighted that, that Mark Lawrenson has, has written the foreword to your book as well. That's well worth a read. Hey, look, all the best of luck with yeah. it, Michael. I said it is a thing of beauty yeah. and I stand by that. Uh, beauty is in the eye okay. beholder, but, but everyone will love this. If people want to get hold of it, they can in all good bookshops, but you can also win a signed copy of the book. Just head over to at The Totally Show on Twitter to find out how. Thank you, Michael. Good luck. Thanks very much. All the best. Michael Barrett there, author of The Invincibles. Well worth a look. The Rise of the Invincibles is out now. A quick check, Joe Crilly. I know you mentioned about odds changing for, for Brentford and Aston Villa. Uh, Michael was saying that the Preston are going to up to the Premier League this season. I mean, they're far closer to the bottom. What odds on them dropping, Joe Crilly? Yeah, I don't think they'll be going up this season certainly they're they're six to one to go down which is quite a big price but there's only six teams below them in the betting Rotherham uh, eight to eleven Ipswich at five to six Bolton five to four are the three favourites with Hull and Reading both 13 to eight and Millwall three to one I'm going to take six teams below me every day of the week you only (laughs) need three of them at the Totally Show for your thoughts now fancy going to see Reading Bristol City of course you do we have two pairs of home tickets to Reading Bristol City on Saturday the 3rd of November courtesy of EA Sports the lead partner of the EFL all you have to do is go on Twitter at The Totally Show but you know that by now find the tweet retweet it give us a follow for your chance to win or if you prefer your social media in pictorial form then go to Insta 
Instagram at Totally Football Show. Slightly different, but you can handle it. Like the post and give us a follow if you're not already doing so. T's and C's on Audio Boom on our show page. The closing date is the 30th of October, 2018. Listeners, we know you love football and we know you love listening to people talk about football. So here's something that's right up your street. It's the new audiobook version of Kevin Keegan's autobiography, My Life in Football. Keegan is one of the greatest players in English football history, famed for his style on the pitch, his relentless ambition and his passion for the game. Over nearly half a century as a player and a manager, there's little that King Kev hasn't done. There were the Ballon d'Ors, the Flares and the Perms with Liverpool and Hamburg in the 70s, that surprise stint with Southampton in the 80s, the 4-3s and the Love It, Love It with Newcastle in the 90s and, of course, in the noughties, resigning in the Wembley toilets with England and his controversial bust-up with Mike Ashley on his return to Newcastle. Two shocking moments in football that Kevin discusses in print for the very first time. Hear the highs and experience the lows by downloading the audiobook of My Life in Football from Audible now. Just head to audible.co.uk and search for My Life in Football. Into League One, where it was goal central, 31 in all, including a nil-nil, and the most one-sided draw ever at Donny, and a Wickham wonder comeback to save her, 3-2 over Scunthorpe, and then 5-2 nillers, plus Accrington Stanley tall again. I did a typo, by the way, and it came out Stanley, and I thought that still works. So I'll leave it in. They were 40 to 1 for promotion at the start of the season. I do also need to mention Coventry because a Coventry fan stood in front of me at Wembley and said, You don't talk about Coventry. So there we go. I just talked about Coventry. You were a delight, by the way. He's the secretary at Nuneaton who were going through all sorts of problems too at the moment. So he said, You never talk about Coventry. And then we spoke for half an hour about Nuneaton. Well done, us. Uh, Posh nil, Accrington one, Pompey one, Fleetwood nil. Accrington Stanley have been Stanleying out. <laughs> yeah, they've been superb, haven't they? Um, that's a brilliant result. Obviously, Peterborough have, have got a shocking home record. Considering their promotion contenders, it's crazy, isn't yeah, it? it the, 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 was it August since they won at home? But, but Aki, five wins in six. McConville again, the captain, popping up with, uh, with a big goal. It's really interesting to, to hear my friend Steve Evans' comments afterwards. He, he wasn't happy. He said he didn't like the rough treatment. I don't think for, for Siriki Dembele, he was, um, yeah, he was targeted by all accounts. But but that's what good teams do. They, they mix the, the power, the strength, the dark arts, if you want to call it that, with good football. And that's exactly what Accrington are all about. I, I, I like them as a team. Great momentum and and yeah, they finish games well. This is one of my, my stats of the day. No one's got a better record than Aki in the last 15, scored seven, let in two. So I, I believe they are playoff contenders to stay. I'll get a shifty from Joe on, on the odds maybe for the playoffs in just a moment. But out of Posh, Pompey, Accrington, who, who are you favouring at the moment, Sam? Oh, Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Two nil win for uh, them. Uh, Portsmouth as well. Portsmouth as well yeah I think just on Peterborough you may have to look at just altering one or two things because it's so differing uh, home and away and obviously teams come there and set up very difficult to, to beat and Accrington are very good defensively don't score a lot of goals but they did a bit of a job over Peterborough and um, yeah it was a difficult afternoon for them at home so I think Portsmouth are, are looking very strong at finding a way to win a game again it's been difficult for them at home they've really dropped some points mm. against teams you'd expect them to beat Really like the goal, Naylor with the assist uh, and Hawkins anticipation arriving, expecting the ball to drop where it did and just knocking it in from a yard or two. So I think that's a Portsmouth starting to show a good trait of being able to get over the line against the team in Fleetwood who 
probably should have shown a little bit more attacking flair. We've spoken about Hunter before on this show, the assists that he's been getting, Madden and Chad Evans. They've got good players going forward, and I think you're know, reading about the game that sounds like they're a little bit negative in their setup. Another really soft yellow, uh, red card yeah. as well, and, and I think that obviously hamstrung Fleetwood. Yeah, it was, it's a surprise to me. We should probably give Portsmouth credit for nullifying Fleetwood because when they have gone away, yeah. invariably they've been entertaining and, and, and really mm. bold. Maybe they clammed up because it was Portsmouth. I don't know. That can happen. I know you were watching Charlton 2, Barnsley, Neil, but but just on that point of comments made by managers, we'll talk about the addicts in a minute, but Plymouth Argyle manager Derek Adams, he criticised a yobbish minority of supporters that they lost for the 10th time in 14 games. He said, if you're nearly the second most successful manager of the football club ever, fifth longest serving, you do deserve a lot more respect than people are giving. And then, Adrian, there was this kind of this odd statement brought out by the, the club talking about respect. But those words that are coming from the manager mm. kind of jar with that, don't they? Uh, well, yeah, I, I didn't like it. I, I think you're on you, you, you're walking on a sticky wicket if you're a manager that's losing games that then has a pop at the at the supporters. There's a sarcastic hand clap apparently as well as he walked yeah. off against Burton. And for the club to issue a statement calling on the fans to behave themselves and to remember, you know, where they are and who they represent, I, th- I think was a bit belittling of them. It can only end one way, in my in my view. I, th- I think it feels inevitable now that there will be a, a parting of the ways three set piece goals as well conceded a bit like Port Vale the week before it was a horrible horrible afternoon for Derek Adams for, for Plymouth and, and I just don't think managers can call their own fans jobs it's, and get away with it it's going to end in tears I, do, I just don't see what's to be achieved by doing that At Plymouth 2 Burton 3 other managerial comments of the weekend Doncaster 3 Gillingham 3 <laughs> Doncaster 32 shots to Gillingham's three but Steve Lovell afterwards said at uh, Gillingham boss for the majority of the game we had them beat we scored three really good goals but then they get three sloppy normal run of the mill goals <laughs> 32 shots to three it's amazing wasn't it 2-0 up weren't they Gillingham and then clawed back and in a, in a winning position it was incredible Max Aimer got the goal for, for Gillingham at one end and he was Unfortunate that a ball deflected off him to to get the the, uh, the share of the spoils, but yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Thirty two shots, three shots for Gillingham, the corners as well, the possession, um, unbelievable. Really, should have had the game sewn up, but Gillingham are having a bit of a funny season because they really came out of the traps flying, and yeah. I think people were expecting them to to maybe challenged. Been really inconsistent of late. Tom Eaves has actually been, oh, he's been held accountable for missing chances at times by the manager, which kind of. Raise my eyebrows a little bit, you know, when you're kind of hanging out your main marksman to, to dry at times. And he's, I think he scored in the last three away games and another quality goal. I said that it came off his face the other day when he, <laughs> he popped up. This was nice cutting him from the left and little bender into the far post. So he's in a rich vein of form. But you think that if anyone's going to know him, you would hope it would be the, the manager. So yeah. whether that, that's going to get the reaction that he he wants from him we will get all sorts of odds from Joe in just a minute so so rack them up Joe not least when we're next going to have 30 goals next weekend is that likely to happen but Charlton 2 Barnsley tell me about your day out at the Valley uh, I missed the first goal because I oh. was late yeah Grant scored after about five minutes. Why, and they, why were you late? Was that because I was working in the morning. Oh, I had to make a drastic dash across town. That's okay. But I missed, I missed five minutes. But I wouldn't say it was a great game. It was a very professional performance from Charlton against the Barnsley side who were well below their best. Loads of nice patterns of play from Barnsley. Loads of similar type players, I would say. A lot of rotation. But the final ball really let them down. 
And of course, Charlton have got the two strikers who were electric. Again, Lyle Taylor's assist for the second was sublime. I didn't know he had that kind of guile in him, really, Lyle Taylor, but I was right in line with it. A beautiful delivery for, for Grant, but some performances elsewhere for Charlton. Defensively, they were so strong, and it's without Patrick Bauer as well. And I think with him and Pierce, normally two of the best centre-halves in that division, it's Bielik on loan from Arsenal, who came in. They were absolutely outstanding and weathered whatever Barnsley could throw at them. They went to two up with Moore in the second half alongside Jacob Brown. Didn't have much of an impact. So really good performance from, from Charlton. Inconsistent time for them. They'll hope this is the... The, the turning point. Cheeky little stat on Charlton. Um, their fans been through a lot, haven't they? Obviously, the, the ownership issue. But they've probably been the most content fans in League One because they've only trailed for 101 minutes this season, which is less than 10%. It's, it's the lowest. There's been over 1,170 minutes of the season so far. They've only been behind for 101 minutes. Pretty good. I think that's a great effort. And it shows how, how solid they are. It, it sort of rings true yeah. with what you're saying about what you saw. Can we do a satisfaction survey? I'd like to put that out there. But we don't... I mean, you see it for, you know, areas of the country where you'd like to live, where it's best to live. Which club it is the, the most satisfying being a fan of? I'll tell you what, you... I'm not sure how fancy my ticket was for the weekend because right. it's a big lounge, but you get free cups of tea and coffee at half time, and you can go and get food in the far side, and you can sit there after the game and have a pint. And it's not just the agents and the the, the scouts and the players' families in there. There's a lot of supporters in there as well. So there you go, content <laughs> because they're not and um, that thing they do, losing. That thing they do after the full time whistle yeah. as well with a player. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, I've seen Johnny Jackson play there a few times in the last few seasons. And I didn't know if it was he because he was the captain or it was the last person off the pitch. But after a victory, they walk down the tunnel and the fans, ooh, and one of the players runs out the tunnel and does a little fist pump at the supporters. And sometimes if it's a magnificent victory, they do a couple or maybe even three if you're lucky. So Lyle Taylor was the man at the weekend. I just think it's a nice moment because it's the vocal supporters up high in one of the main stands who um, who wait behind and get a little salute. Satisfaction survey belongs to Charlton Athletic and does it belong to League One this weekend with a number of goals, Joe Critty? And will we see 30-plus next weekend? Uh, well, the odds are quite short. I was oh. quite surprised. Uh, it's even money, so put a quid on, get a quid back. My kind of bet. Plus, plus your pound, yeah. Um, it's odds on not to happen, 8 to 11, oh. uh, but even money. So we could be in for another goal fest this weekend. And I did ask you for about 52 other things, but I can't remember any of them. So anything else you'd like to respond? Yeah, well, I may as well touch on Accrington Stanley again. Oh, yes, that was um, right. So at the start of the season, they were mm. 40 to 1. Last week when we talked about them, they were 14 to 1. They're now into single figures. Obviously, they don't want us to say this, but they are 9 to 1 for promotion. And they are just, uh, where is it, 7 to 2. To make the playoffs. You make me sick because I didn't get onto them at 40 to 1 <laughs> rather than anything else. I think they will. I think they'll be there. They're, they're replacing everyone else that I said would be there at the start. Should we head to League Two? Yay! <laughs> it was just like being at Charlton. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kobe Jones and from October 26, you can join me and the team on the Totally Football Show American Edition. Throughout the playoffs, we'll be here and across the United States and Canada to follow the postseason to its dramatic conclusion. In our first week, join me, Canadian national team player Lauren Sesselman, City of Angels PJ Harrison, and Tim Walsh as we talk you through all the action. We can't wait to get started. 
Somebody call the stat police. Happy New Year's Eve 2011, Macclesfield fans. That's no longer the last time they won in football, or at least in Football League as opposed to in football, as they've only gone and got a three-pointer, beating Carlisle 2-1. Milton Keynes, their good run continues. They're now unbeaten in four, but they're the only story in town. Macclesfield 2, Carlisle 1, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And Thank God for that. The only way to do it as well, going down to another drab 1-0 home defeat, probably people leaving, not happy at all. And um, I think the two substitutes looked like they had a big impact. Stevens winning the pen and then Harry Smith with a lovely assist for Vincente to get the winner. Um, he seemed to be having a little bit of needle with the Carlisle supporters behind the goal as well, which yeah. uh, added to it. Whoops. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I get the feeling that, I don't know what Mark Yates is like as a, as a manager, but I get the feeling these two guys that are in situ at the moment, young lads, obviously probably know the players really well, and maybe that pressure has just eased somewhat. Maybe there's a few more smiles on the faces, and the team selection looks like he's gone, they, they've gone a little bit back to what got, got them the success last season. So maybe just nothing to lose, that kind of atmosphere may have created a bit of a better opportunity winning games. Yeah, I, I would concur with that. I think you, you see it quite often and, and that's why caretakers can be successful. Is that feel that, that doom and gloom, that pressure where you saw the manager who was really feeling it mm. downbeat in training every day, the mood was is very serious. Suddenly they're gone and it's not like you're glad that they're gone but 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 that pressure, that, that weight has kind of gone even though you're in the same predicament. It's almost like you get a bit demob happy. It's like you, you just don't care anymore and that can that can be a nice feeling in the interim period and and it's it's got them a result it's all about backing it up now which is it's kind of why you feel that the 2-1 was coming because they did have the crowd behind them there was a lovely thing um, about Danny Whitaker interim joint manager the 12 year old ball girl Holly Davies broke her ankle and he sent her a letter a signed card wishing her well gave her free tickets to the match against Carlisle too. I know it's a little thing but it's those little things that the rest of the fan base then hear about and it, it gives you that, that good foot to start on Yeah and they obviously had a real togetherness last season and that's not going to just completely diminish because of a few poor results so no. I don't know. It's it's difficult to say how long this is going to last. You know, if they're going to really pick up now. But given that they only lost narrowly at Tranmere last time out and then got the victory there, there's something probably some kind of togetherness and a better feeling around the place, which suggests they may make a fist of it. I still think they probably lack the quality to remain in the division. But let's see if they get the job. These two. Do the odds back it up, Joe? Macclesfield are still favourites for relegation. Their odds have come in ever so slightly. They're four to five to go down. They were four to six before the, the weekend's fixtures. Uh, so they are still favourites to go down, unfortunately. But that price is uh, is contracting, getting closer to even money and odds against. Morecambe are second favourites to go down at six to four. Financially, it's so tight in League Two as well. When you look at uh, Crawley 4, Newport 1, Mike Flynn calling himself up to the bench for that one too they they lose that one Newport and things the way that things are going around with Lincoln maybe when they drop a few points but they're still okay they get the 1-1 at, at the weekend with Cambridge United Grimsby 0-0 with Exeter Milton Keynes putting a bit of a, a run together they won 1-0 over Northampton there's sort of a feeling that actually 
No one's going to run away with it at the moment. Maybe Lincoln, yeah. But <clears throat> MK Dons, excuse me, uh, are flying at the moment. They've, they've, they've snuck up. They've been really solid at the back, I think 413 minutes since they last conceded. Top of the form table, 14 points from their last six games. It feels like they're finally settling down again. It's been so much upheaval at MK Dons, hasn't there? Different managers, couple of relegations. Now I think they've got a manager that will, will try and keep a happy dressing room. You'll know all about Tisdale, of course, and, and putting smiles on faces as, as well as... I think, yeah, from, from reading between the lines, there was a few quotes from Dean Lewington at the weekend. He said that the, the new staff have, have made us enjoy football again. And, and that's made a made a big difference for, for MK Dons. They're looking probably the smart bet to to join Lincoln in that in that top three. No, I can't disagree with that at all. I think we spoke on the opening show of the, the season about potentially not having enough goals in the team. But it's looking good at the top for them now. Anike's being excellent. Agard got the goal. It looked very borderline offside um, at the weekend. I think he was just on. And, and Healy's coming and doing well as well. So interesting that Tisdale's gone to the 3-5-2. Uh, didn't maybe envisage that happening. He's probably looked at the personnel. But what they have got is they've got defenders that can play. And they can play out. And it was actually Neil Aspin, the Port Vale manager, who went to a three at the weekend talking about the difference between... What he does, robust guys, uh, competitive guys, compared to that back three at MK who've got some Rolls Royces in terms of footballers. Jordan Moore Taylor's been, I think, the standout defender in the division. So, yeah, I only see MK Dons getting stronger. I, I'd put them on par with Lincoln City, absolutely, as the two favourites to win the title. Yeah, I know, I know that times against us pretty can't cover it today, but but Crawley, great win. Obviously, they're, they're immense at home, best record at home, but Felipe Moraes, who plays for them, they, they did an interesting newspaper article, I don't know if you saw it, he said that he wants young players in the EFL and beyond to have uh, mandatory financial advice and to ring-fence their wages mm. until they're 23. He said that they should be able to earn £1,000 a week max and with the rest of their salary being put away for them until they're 23. Interesting concept. I absolutely think. How many of us up until the... I mean, me, of course. But up until the point of 23, were a bit fast, loose and fancy-free with any money that, that we had. I used to always spend my money from Tesco's of the weekend. That was always going out the door. And why not put it in the trust fund? Why not look after it? Because there's so many people about, I am sure, that come and... Um, did you both have it? That, that, that people come and try and spend your money for you? Yeah, I nearly bought two apartments in Dubai. <laughs> Did you? Never got built. <laughs> really? <laughs> Never got built, yeah. Did any of your Yeah, teammates... they did. Yeah, they did. I should, probably shouldn't be laughing, should I? But yeah. Stuffed them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never got built. But yeah, I think early on, yeah, I remember people coming to the training ground and talking to us about various different bits and bobs and none of them were financial advisors telling us yeah. to do um, things that were sensible with our money. Would you yeah. have listened had someone said to you, and that's maybe why you need to make it mandatory, mm -hmm. would you have listened if someone said to you, right, just park this cash over here for a bit, keep it in your bank account, don't spend it? Yeah, I probably would have. Oh. I probably would have, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think I had got some sensible advice during that period, but uh, yeah, I, th I think I can still see experienced professionals coming into the dressing room and telling me to do this, that and the other and me telling them to F off. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I was one of the lads who... I'd like to think had my head switched on, mm. but it's very difficult when you're in that bubble and you start earning the money to do the right thing. Of course, I wish I could turn the clock back now, but uh, hindsight. 
Would we do it in any other profession, though? Would you walk into someone that was about to become a whiz kid on on the stock market and say, just put that amount oh, of money? Child, child actors have it, don't they? But but they're children. Um, a lot of people say that footballers act like children. The issue, partly as well, is footballers' free time, spending money, you know, gambling. It's an issue. I don't think drink is, is much of a problem these days, but but gambling is. So look, it's, it's a tough sell. And I think that any player, any young player earning good money would be very reluctant to do it. But... If it was to be brought in uh, as something that was mandatory, it would be for their benefit. And I think they would realise that later down the line. At The Totally Show, for anything that you've heard in the show you'd like to react to, anything, anything, particularly looking ahead to the weekend, uh, a couple of games to pick out, West Brom, Blackburn. Of course, we've got the Tuesday-Wednesday game, so we're going to switch ahead to the weekend. Leeds, Forest, Borough, Derby, Millwall, Ipswich, Accrington, Pompey, Exeter, FGR and Coventry, Doncaster, just because we don't mention Coventry enough. Coventry, Doncaster, where do you all want to go? Does it have to be one of those? No. <laughs> Bristol City, Stoke. Just, I'm just interested. I just think it's almost now or never for Stoke. I don't think they were terrible against Birmingham. He's still flittering around with different systems. I understand Ryan Woods was really deep at the weekend and getting on the ball almost like a sweeper having lots of possession Birmingham we know how well set up they are in their two banks of four so they did a job on them but I just think it's not all lost for Stoke City right now I think if they could pick up a couple of results you just never know so I'm just me watching that one intrigued to see how it goes Bristol City after on the back of a good win against Brentford are you saying if Stoke don't win at Bristol City they won't go up I'm not saying that, but I'm, it's looking increasingly difficult as the weeks go on. You, you can't completely rule them out, like you can't completely like you can't rule Aston Villa or, or Brentford out yeah. of being promotion contenders. So no, I wouldn't at this stage. But they need to start picking up some consistency, and it needs to start this week really with three games coming up. Otherwise, I can't call them champions elect. <laughs> you can't. Um, you won't be calling either of these two champions elect either. League two. Macclesfield go to Cambridge United, the basement boys in in League Two. So that is one of those matches that could have a pivotal say in, in who might drop out of the EFL come come the end of the season. So that's a biggie. Joe? Uh, well, I'm going to complete the, uh, the the league. So I'm going to League One and Accrington, Portsmouth. We already talked about Accrington and Portsmouth today. So there's not really much else to be said except for the fact that uh, it's two teams on great run of form. So it should be a good game of football. Uh, I think Accrington have got that one. Oh, I just squeaked an agreement. I hope you all enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the show too at the Totally Show to hear from us. Thank you, Joe, for your thoughts as always. Joe Crilly from William Hill, Adrian Clark and Sam Parkin too. What a delight. Nay, a pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our brand new podcast for this season, The Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. 
So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.